Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan J. Roger, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all of our work at texasfootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find us on Twitter at DCTF. Uh, you can subscribe at texasfootball.com slash subscribe. And if you like our content, please do that so that we can continue to have jobs. Uh, as always, we've got our buddy Ishmael Johnson on the line. Hey, Ish, how you doing, man? Oh, I'm doing great. Did you, uh, did you catch your breath yet? <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I think that I think that yesterday's game that I went to because I went to North Texas versus UTEP. I think I had plenty of opportunity to to just breathe just right. fine. Um, you know, so I think that it's I, I think I built up a tolerance. <laughs> I guess you could say, <laughs> man. Eh, look, I SMU's number two yeah. in our poll. Um, you know, I don't think that's a huge surprise. Uh, let's just start sure. with them because that, that was, because that was I mean game. we we. Yeah, we sold it as the game of the weekend. It was the game of the whole freaking yeah. weekend. Um, so where are you on SMU after all of this? After they take their first loss, after they go on the road, after they give up 54 points? I, I don't know if my opinion of them changes. Um, I knew, well, one, I think it kind of proves that this offense is probably the most fun thing in the state right now by far. Um I think that their defense obviously did not have a great game, but played another really explosive offense, um, and that their special teams are kind of an issue, <laughs> um, obviously. But I don't, as far as as a whole, I don't know if I'm. I don't think I'm lesser or feel you know lesser about them. I just feel really impressed with Memphis and kind of how they game plan the whole thing and how they took advantage of you know great field position every single time. They looked just as surgical as SMU um offensively and i don't know i just felt that we watched two of the best or if not the two best group of five teams go at it and play an incredible game yeah well i i agree i totally agree i think that you still look at smu as being everything that we thought Mm -hmm. they were and um you know obviously not having Roger robertson and granted i mean they had a a freshman kid rushy rice step up and play big 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 like i get that um, so my, my big takeaway from this game was that it felt like they got away from their identity a little bit. A little bit, bit yeah. And, and, and the reason that I say that is it felt like, and I don't mean this to sound as, an, as a knock as it might, but like, it felt like all the worst things about previous Sunny Dykes coach teams came out in mm-hmm. this game. And, uh, you, know, you know, you talk about being very pass-happy, which it was working. Yeah. I mean, Shane Bouchot had a fantastic game, so it worked. I, I understand that part. Um, but they really just went away from the run game super early. Uh, that, that feels like something where it's not just Rhett Lashley making that decision. You know what I mean? Like, because Rhett Lashley is a power spread run coach. Um, you know, and, and they weren't having success. Like, I mean, I think that for the game, Xavier Jones averaged like two yards Mm -hmm. per carry, but like, you have to try, you just have to keep trying because, uh, eventually you have to keep your offense on the field. You have to keep your defense off the field and, and prevent them from being in bad spots. And, and when you're passing the ball, every single play, you just, the play count goes up so quickly. And, and so I felt like they gave up on the run way too early, which is something that, you know, at Cal, that was a criticism of Sunny Dykes teams. And obviously, uh, you know, defensively, they weren't very good, but it, it was really the explosive plays. I actually think that they played a lot better than what the numbers sort of mm-hmm. say. Which which sounds weird in a game where they gave up fifty four points. I mean, but we, like, everybody expected they, this to be a shootout, right? Right, right, right. Well, for sure, and I think that, I think that 
their game plan was they wanted to try to get to Brady mm-hmm. White and they wanted to try to contain Kenneth Gainwell. And they actually did both of those things pretty mm-hmm. well. Uh, <laughs> the issue was everybody yeah, else. The issue was and, an insane game um, in multiple aspects from, um, I'm forgetting his name, Gibson, uh, uh, Antonio Gibson, right? Yeah. Yeah. I and right. I mean, he was absolutely insane in running the he had he had a rushing touchdown he had a he just seemed to be open running free as a receiver uh he had the the uh kick return the 97 yard kick return it was i mean he was the game breaker and it's kind of wild right, how, right right how you mentioned it gainwell we thought gainwell would have his game um but he ended up just being neutralized and then brady white he, he, was, he was fine he was but, fine but it was mostly he, he was, you know it was definitely like they were running him just because they knew that they had to run it like it wasn't it wasn't that he was right. getting any yards or you know having any big gains it was just like no we we have to feed this guy the ball just to keep them honest um and brady, right, white, right, brady right. white had a, a good game but that was mostly buoyed by just two receivers absolutely torching uh smu secondary for sure for sure and you know i mean the the other thing, obviously, is that Sonny Dykes' teams before have struggled on special teams. I mean, yeah. that's kind of been a constant. And uh, <laughs> I know that we were going back and forth on Twitter about this, but, like, it is unbelievable. In a day where we have 10 full-time assistant mm-hmm. coaches, 10, that you don't dedicate, even, like, primarily. Like, you know, if he's tight ends and, and more special teams, that's that's right. fine. But that you don't have a guy whose primary job is special teams. It's, it's, it's you inexcusable. Know? <laughs> I don't know. To me, it's inexcusable. Right. Well, it's it's just a lot of coaches, and, and actually, uh, the, the team I was at yesterday, really the two teams I was at yesterday, Dana Dimmel and Seth Luttrell, I know that Seth Luttrell has a full-time, dedicated, single person who does only special mm-hmm. teams, Marty Biaggi, and he's really good at it. And because of that, I mean, you saw... Uh, North Texas had two kick returns yesterday that set up touchdowns within two plays, you know, because that's what they can do. That's what special teams does. And and actually, the funny thing, too, and, and this is a coach, a coach who takes it seriously, but like special teams nearly cost Baylor the game the other right. day. You know, when it com- when it came to field goal kicking, when it came to punting and field position, like these are two of the best teams in the state. And I know that Matt Rule does put more on it, but like the personnel just isn't there right now. Uh but the idea that you don't even dedicate anything towards it is unbelievable. And that's something where you look at the good teams in college football. You know, you, you have to have good special teams. I mean, you just have to. You saw, you know, punting-wise, when, when Michael Dixon was at Texas, it completely changed the way that team played defense. And now, I mean, Ryan Bajewski's a good player, but he's not a game-breaker like Michael Dixon was, and I think it's affected their defense. And... Uh, same with Alabama, same with obviously Virginia Tech making a living on it for years, Iowa making a living on it for mm-hmm. years, uh, Texas A&M uh, last year having incredible special teams. I mean, it's just... Look at, look at the, look at the, um, I'm going to look at the top five right now, the top five AP. Alabama, yeah. LSU, Clemson, Ohio State, Penn State. Every single yeah. one of those teams has a dedicated special teams coordinator. And you can look at, wow. and you can look at... Um, you know, they'll be slash assistant head coach or associate head coach. But the other thing that I've noticed is if you go to SMU's website, their special teams coordinator is, it lists defense, it lists uh, tight ends uh, coach first, right? Every right. other coach that I'm looking at, yeah, Penn State, I'll just confirm theirs. Um, Alabama, it says, it's yes, he's also the tight ends coach, but he's special teams coordinator Jeff Banks first, right? 
he's right and that's what he's right, known exactly. for uh, greg mcmahon is there is lsu special team coordinator uh danny Pierman, he's special teams and tight ends but special teams is listed first smu it's the other way around tight ends and then special teams like you have to have a dedicated special teams coordinator in order to maximize that position uh that 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 side of the field it's an entire phase of the game it's a third phase right. of the game that is absolutely imperative because you me and you have been to so many practices and i think i might have touched on this before but it's like we've been to so many practices where you know very well like the head coaches as far as special teams is concerned it's it's absolutely tertiary to everything else that they do like it's like oh right right, 15 minutes uh you know let's go run out punt block or something right and what you know and you look at the kickers and punters what are they doing most of the time they're on the side doing their own thing no one's really paying attention to them punters are practicing their drops you know on their own and like they're not they're not doing anything like they're not it's they're definitely a separate yeah. part of the team and uh i think chris cluey a former vikings punter kind of hinted at this mm-hmm. it kind of talks about like why there's been such a it seems now in today's age there's been such a rotation or a carousel of kickers and punters in the nfl or college teams signing like three kickers and not having a you know a reliable right. one and like how it just looks like a lot of the time, a lot of teams kickoff units or coverage units just are kind of winging it because they're only taught this, you know, uh, they're only taught to do something like once every week or something, twice a week, right? Because that's when that's when they have time for that kind of stuff. And you see a team like Memphis, who, by the way, has a special teams coordinator, um, right. absolutely take advantage of every possible situation. Uh, whether it's taking advantage of good ball position, uh, of good field position, or setting up your setting yourself up to have good field position, or um, ex- ex- exiting the second half with an incredible uh, kickoff return for a touchdown, um, I don't know why teams didn't don't look at that. I mean, Frank Beamer made an entire career out of worrying about and and right. meticulously game planning around that side of the ball, um, and he kind of I mean it, it came back to bite SMU yesterday. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and ultimately. The craziest stat about this is that, uh, you know, SMU had two punts from Shane Bouchelle, mm-hmm. right? Like, uh, that landed within the five-yard yeah. line. Like, two incredible yeah. punts. Like, those were the best special teams plays of the day for mm-hmm. SMU. Um, including those two punts, Memphis started at the 40-yard line <laughs> on average. That's the, I don't care how good SMU's defense is. They're not against right. anybody of decent quality. They're going to score touchdowns with that kind of field position. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's unbelievable. Um, you know, and and again, I mean, the other thing, too, is that Memphis made plays on the other side where they kicked a bunch of long field goals, too, that kind of put the game yeah. away. So it's like, you know, being able to do that is a huge advantage. I mean, look, SMU, again, I think you're right. My opinion doesn't change them. They still absolutely are alive in the uh, New Year Six race. They're absolutely alive in the conference title say, race. App State just, feels terrible about dropping their game to Georgia Southern because they, with Memphis, <laughs> yeah. like, I'm not saying they would have had a better resume, but if they were to beat, you know, they still have South yeah. Carolina. So, like, if they were to beat South Carolina, like, they absolutely would have something to say about that New Year Six situation. But now it's, you know, it's just three teams now with one loss, and, you know, they arguably have the weakest schedule of the three. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, so SMU's still very much yeah. alive. Uh, you know, I mean, they just need Memphis. Memphis goes, I want to say, on the road to Cincinnati. I, I can't remember if it's at home or on the road, but Cincinnati's the, the top-ranked uh, group of five team No, right they, now. they host Cincinnati. And they so, host man, Cincinnati. Okay, massive. so they, they'll have to beat... Yeah, so that's a big mm-hmm. game, because if Memphis loses to Cincinnati and SMU wins out, 
then that means that SMU will still go to the conference title game against Cincinnati. And and again, I think that uh, unless one of these teams loses a second game, uh, I think that the Americans probably going to produce the group of five. Uh, you know. A, New Year's yeah. and like I mean, because know, and it's it's still possible, right? Because they have at they go at yeah. uh, Memphis has at Houston and Cincinnati for sure, um, and then SMU yeah. has Navy, who all of a sudden is after looking average for the early part of the season looks actually pretty good, and then uh, and then yeah. stuff Tulane, which obviously not as good as we probably thought, but still really yeah, but, tricky. But yeah. tricky. Well, I mean, they're in a bowl game again. I mean, they they haven't made consecutive bowl games right. in forever. Like you know, this is they're still a very yep. good team. But let's go ahead and get to the uh, go through the rankings. So. So, so number 12, we got the Rice Owls. Um, nothing much to say about them after they lose to, to Marshall. Uh, they competed. I, I think they actually worked in another quarterback, uh-huh. and so that's a little interesting. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you know, they scored seven points, yeah. so it didn't work super-duper well. Um, you know, so they're still at the bottom of our ranking. Again, the greatest 0-9 team of all time. <laughs> Congratulations. 11, we've got the UTEP Miners. I saw them actually the other day. I will say... They actually, they actually showed some interesting things offensively. Okay. They actually looked better than I thought. Uh, you know, and and actually, I think that Kyle Loxley is actually settling in a little bit as a passer. The numbers weren't great, but like I think that he's just doing a better job of finding those open mm-hmm. guys uh, when they ask him to. Uh, and and actually, now now that we're through game eight, finally, finally. Mm-hmm the season can actually start because now they're going to start playing the redshirt sure, players. Sure. So we'll get to see a little bit of, of Gavin Hardison at quarterback. We'll get to see a little bit of finally free Deion, Deion Hankins, Hankins hopefully free Deion. <laughs> I'll tell you what, man, I, I obviously talked to him when I was in El Paso, when he was still in high yeah. school, uh, seeing him in football pads, my God, that man is gigantic. <laughs> he is a freaking tank. It is unbelievable. So I'm, uh, apparently, there's a good chance that they start him on special teams, which is boring. Yeah, but just get him uh, some run. you know, have, I have get him running it, in football games. I don't know. <laughs> I'll take it. I will take it. But uh, the miners sit at number eleven. Uh, UTSA sits at number ten. They play Texas A and M. They literally, lost by a literally lot. The game I thought I would see from that from those two teams. Yeah. Uh, hey, I mean, you know what? Forty-five, uh, fourteen was the yeah. final, and. That's not that's bad. That's not bad. Like, they scored that's, 14. That's, I, 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 when they, they scored a touchdown and took the lead, I was like, hey, they yeah. scored. <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, one of the touchdowns was defensive. Sure, but, but it was like it didn't matter. Uh, but it was, been it was two t- Well, and you know what? Uh, with like a minute left in the first half, the score was 14-7. Yeah, so they played They played pretty all right. I, and yeah, speaking of teams yeah, that uh, but, played exactly how I thought against their opponent, the next team on our <laughs> powered ranking. <laughs> The Texas State Bobcats. You have any thoughts? No, literally, like I said, literally the exact game <laughs> that I thought. Um, they wouldn't be able yeah. to score points. They've never played well against Louisiana, yeah. and uh, yeah. yeah, that's exactly what I thought would happen. <laughs> Louisiana would comfortably cover. Uh, yeah. It, do we do we have any update on on whether Jensen's going to be back next uh, week? I'd, I'd expect it's... something from the mid uh, in the midweek press conference, but um, yeah, I, still yeah. still coming back from the uh, concussion Basically. protocol, of course. So, and we didn't see either so. Ch- Cedric Case or Jalen Gibson, so that's going fun. Which yeah. sucks. Come on, hashtag free Cedric Case, man. It's, I mean, it's I mean time. who knows? I mean, they might reg- I mean, he might play now that's the last couple games of the season yeah yeah I, i'd imagine that he gets in the game at some point and actually has gibson played it all this he year? stepped in the receiver a couple times i think okay. um but he had not a quarterback. okay 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 well yeah i mean now that actually and that's going to be a fun thing just to watch is is uh some of these redshirt kids finally getting in games right. and contributing See, seeing because, what you got 
Right, right, right. So, like, I know that we saw some Dylan Jantz last week, Yeah, he was in a couple snaps, I believe two or three snaps, um, which was really nice to see. You know, he's in that slot receiver position. Um, I expected, I thought we'd see him a little more this year, but, you know, hopefully hopefully they start to realize maybe kind of a utility role for him um, because he was... Was that his first appearance? I think that was his first appearance. That was the first appearance that I saw him. Um, And I know Kef Chardello also tweeted about it, so I'm assuming that might have been his first appearance of the season. Okay, so wait, was was this uh was this their eighth or ninth game of the year that they just played? So that was their eighth. Okay, so they'll probably try to hold him out on one more just to make sure that he keeps the red shirt. But um, but because yeah, I mean, I always say <laughs> getting a guy in for a couple of snaps. But again, with at least with this red shirt rule, like I remember, oh my gosh, I remember back when I was covering Baylor back in 2017, mm-hmm. and uh, and Charlie Brewer got oh, in the game yeah. for the you're first like, no! time, and. <laughs> Well, and, and you're just like, yeah, why? Because yeah. they, they gave him, like, two snaps and then yeah. pulled him, you know? And and luckily for everybody, really, uh, he's ended up starting, like, the last four games right. of the year. But it was just like a – I think it was against Oklahoma State, and they were down by a million. And it was just like, I mean, at least keep him right. in there. You know, <laughs> why are you burning his red shirt to do that? Or like, or like but, I think Mac a couple years ago uh, with uh, Tyrone Swoops. It was like, oh, why, yeah. why, are you, why yeah. is he now? Yeah, yeah, but you know, I mean, the, that's why the four game rule is fantastic. Exactly. I mean, I, I absolutely love it. But uh, moving on, the Texas Tech Red Raiders at number eight, they were on by. They still most recently lost to Kansas, so you know, still there. <laughs> uh, at number seven, the North Texas Mean Green, uh, they looked pretty yeah. good. I mean, I, I, I definitely considered you know moving up to number six, but I still think you know number seven is probably about Dude. right. Uh, Mason Fine, yeah, man, that was that Ooh, was boy. that was a game that was so seven touchdowns. Seven so much fun. That was the game I've been hoping to see from Mason Fine. Um, it was good to see him just look comfortable. Obviously, playing UTEP helps, but it just looked it, just, it was so good to see him look comfortable. You know, be the gunslinger that we know he is. Um, it was yeah nice to see U, uh, UNT be able to protect him <laughs> again again yeah, playing UTEP yeah. helps, but. Uh, Sure. Based off the way their offensive line has looked all season, yeah, I, I, I'll take anything if I'm a U, if I'm a UNT fan. Right, right. Well, and yeah, weird moment after the oh, game God. in the post game. Uh, <laughs> Mason Fine comes in in one of those inflatable dinosaur costumes. Well, where did those come from? I, like they're everywhere they're, these I think days. It's like I, online, you can get them online. Or may, who knows? I haven't been in a Halloween <sighs> store in years, so they might have those in there. I, <laughs> I mean, yeah, same. I don't know. <laughs> I but yeah it was it's just like everywhere right now like I oh my gosh it was funny I because I talked to Dana Dimmel and uh, and Trayvon Hughes at yeah. UTEP uh, before going to the North Texas uh, post game because I you know I mean they're in El Paso I don't get to right, talk right, to them right. much uh, and so then I came over and I came over right in time for the players to come in and there was somebody in, like there was somebody in the costume in the hallway and I didn't even realize it was Mason. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, all right, I guess we're going to try to do How something. I, I don't know. keeping a straight face the entire time? Like, Yeah, they were just they, like, all right, I know, they man. were like, oh, this guy. <laughs> they, they were yeah. not. Well, well the other two... <laughs> The other two guys who were there were uh, were Dion Noville, a defensive tackle, and um, their receiver Jalen Darden. And somebody asked him after, "What are your guys' costumes?" And uh, <laughs> and Darden was like, "Man, I don't really care about Halloween." <laughs> and then and then uh, but then Noville, to his credit, said, uh, "Well, I just couldn't fit." Oh, there you go. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> yeah, Whatever, Darden man. Uh, yeah. He's like, I do not care. Nah, Darden. Darn's like, I love you, Mason, but man, all right. I'm trying to go home. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
All right, number six, the Houston Cougars. Uh, Houston, I mean, they were up at halftime on UCF. Yeah. And here's the thing. Here's the thing that I'll say too. Right, we decided that Houston was mm-hmm. dead after all this redshirt stuff happened. And and one thing that I will say is that Pete Thamel over at Yahoo is reporting that it's pretty unlikely that King would consider coming back. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, that, that's something new that came out yesterday. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, again, things can change, but things can change. Situation. Looking at the situation, looking at how they started the yeah. year, I, I, I would not be surprised at all. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, to be to be honest, that's fairly consistent with what with what we've heard yeah, exactly. too. You yeah. know that that already there are people kind of reaching out to him, and he's going to have options. And and that doesn't mean that he can't come back. And honestly, when you see your team playing this hard, like it, well, the, it helps. And the but... other thing is that I didn't consider until like I really thought about it. But like looking at what Kyle Trask is doing in Florida. Right. And like yeah. not saying that Kyle Trask is exactly the, a great quarterback or that, you know, he's 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 lighting it up, but he's seeing him. No, play. but that was that was, that his, was his backup. backup and he's seeing him play in SEC marquee games for a top 15 right. team. Like I could absolutely see now that he's proven himself to be a quarterback saying, cool, now it's time to get my shine on CBS or ABC right. or something. Right. Well, the thing is, is that I think that he would only leave Houston if he felt like he could, one, compete for a national mm-hmm. title, or two, compete for a Heisman, right, exactly. um, which I think is a perfectly reasonable thing to do. And and the reality is, even with the guys that they have coming in next year at Houston, that's probably not right. there. Um, and, and like, look, I think that, that Derek King is going to be keeping a close eye at LSU after Joe Burrow graduates. Uh, 100%. Because... Because he's a Houston kid, right in the area. You know, they have strong relationships with uh, Manville, where he went, and with that coaching staff, even as they've dispersed after uh, Kirk Martin went to Syracuse. I mean, obviously, Syracuse would would be a place that I'm sure would court him right. hard because they've got his high school coach. But, you know, I don't, I don't know. know. He, I, I don't mean, know if he'll go P5 with... just for the sake of going P5. Right, right, right. Like, that's the thing. Is like, he's not going to go to... I mean, I don't want to call out a school, right. honestly, I, I get what you but... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, he's he's not going to go to Kansas right. State just to get to play Power 5 yeah. football. You know, I mean, it, granted, they have a quarterback now, too, but, like, you know, the, he's not just going to do it to do it. He's not going to go to Rutgers. He's not going to go to right. Illinois. Uh, you know, he's going to he's gonna go to a place where he can be a featured player. And I don't, not to make this all podcast about this, but, you know, I don't really see Oklahoma so much, but it's always I could definitely see LSU. But, yeah, it's a but possibility, but I, I see... Riley might have to start working with his own quarterbacks <laughs> right right well yeah i could see lsu and florida state because of the kendall bryles are, are probably the two things that i'd probably see as most likely mm-hmm. now again things change and i mean we also have to see who ends up courting him and where and and, and i mean who knows you know who knows but uh, but i think that he's going to have options and and look i think it's easy to turn down like you know, Oregon State to stay at right. Houston. I think it's a lot harder to turn down LSU to stay at Houston or Florida right. State. So we'll see what happens. But I mean, I I don't know. It's it's still a weird situation there. But but anyway, this is all beside the point. What I was talking about was, um, you know, since he decided to redshirt, Houston had that one bad game against mm-hmm. UConn, but otherwise they killed North Texas. They gave SMU a huge scare, and now they gave UCF a huge yeah. scare. They, like they have fight. This team, yeah, this team does not no. suck, you know. And like, and and the other thing too is like, man, where's this Mobacar been oh my for the past four Seriously. years? You know? Oh my gosh! And 
this is the last we'll see of him yeah. this year because this was his fourth game and they're redshirting mm-hmm. him. But, I mean, oh my gosh, against SMU and UCF, 100-yard games in both of them. I think that those were the first 200-yard games of his entire mm-hmm. career. So, I mean, it's... He's got something there, man. This is going to be a it, really it, intriguing is... team next year because you mentioned it. I mean, yeah. clearly they're not talented enough to win these games, but it looks every time right. we watch it, it's like okay, this is more of a a a a, uh, a situation of you know a lack of developed talent right now. Like it's not a lack of just pure yeah. talent; it's just a lack of experience and right. just getting reps. And it's just eventually like teams like UCF and SMU can just wear them down and outlast them. But like yeah. going into next year, man, there's going to be the depth is going to be insane. He brings back a lot of the meat yeah. with the seniors. Obviously, uh, we'll see what happens to De'Aaron King. But guys like Mobile Car coming back now with you know four years under their belt, along with these younger classmen. Like who knows? Maybe Clayton Toon takes a big step next year. Who knows? But I think he absolutely yeah. could, and probably I know, will. I know. Now that now that he has like a full spring and some games under his belt, working with Dana and in the system, like this is such an intriguing team next year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely agree. And, um, you know, credit to them because this could have been an absolute disaster. Yeah. This really could have been an yeah. absolute disaster. And it hasn't been at this point. And, you know, you got so many guys coming in next year, too, who had to sit mm-hmm. a year. And so, you know, a lot of those guys are going to be eligible. Um, I think Kyle Porter's still going to be back. I think he's mm-hmm. a junior. Like, you, you got a lot of options. Um, you know, this is what you're looking for. This is what you hoped, obviously, when uh, when you decided to sit Derek. And, and I think that... You know, 2020, I think, was always going to be a better year for them just because I think they had so many questions yeah. heading in. But uh, they, they keep fighting, and these young players are doing exactly what Dana Holgerson hoped they would do. And, uh, give, you know, give everybody there a lot of credit. So we'll, we'll see how they kind of hold things together as they keep having to play tough teams, but they have not backed down against anyone so far. So moving on to number five, the Texas Longhorns. They had a bye this week, uh, but same deal. Nothing really changed. I mean... I guess you could make a pretty decent case to move them in front of number four TCU, who lost on the road 31-24 to Oklahoma yeah, State. But, uh, yeah, I mean, and it was that recent yeah, to the head-to-head. So, you know, and, and it wasn't like it wasn't like Texas had this crazy impressive result against Oklahoma State to compare. Right, either. exactly. You know, I mean, they won, they won by six yeah. at home. And, so. like, I mean, granted, uh, you know, what was, what was the difference? I mean, Chuba Hubbard just went off. Um, the one shocking thing was that, right. like, it was Max Duggan who had the erratic game and not Spencer Sanders. Because, like, Max Duggan, yeah, I mean, like, I mean you know, we'll, Max Duggan's still a freshman, too, but it, that was the one thing that you could always hang your hat on. It's like, oh, he's not he's not going to make mistakes, right. right? And he kind of, he made all the freshman mistakes in one game. <laughs> right, right. Uh, okay, I, my friend, that, so shout out to Matt Jennings, my, my friend from Die Hearts, who sent me the mm-hmm. stat. Oklahoma State outgained TCU 459 to 450 yesterday. Okay, you know, sure. not bad, not bad. 303 of those yards came on six plays, four of which went for touchdowns. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Jeez. Jeez. I, I mean, oh, God. Mobile oh, car. Mobile God. car is awesome. Oh, no, sorry. Uh, Chuba Hubbard is amazing. Why is he not getting... Yeah. Is he getting... He does not seem to be getting Heisman love. Like, we see guys... Not like, at all. Not um, at all. Uh, uh, Wisconsin running back. Taylor. Um, Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor. Taylor. Like, why is he getting the love? Like, turn that spotlight yeah. on Chuba Hubbard, because that was... He is insane. He's so much fun. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately it's just because like the Heisman is also such a narrative award, and like, and I'm not saying that's bad. It's that's just right. reality. And so like, so I mean, you know, since a team isn't very good, that's and true, I, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's it's just hard. I mean, I, the big thing is, 
I hope that the narrative aspect of it doesn't screw him in the Duke Walker oh, Award. Yeah, right, because right. Well, he... I hope, yeah, I hope so. Because, I mean, I feel like somebody like Dobbins could get it. Even though I, uh, sure. just play, I mean, he's the best running back in the country right now. Like, I don't is, see there's an argument for anybody else. No, 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 no. I mean, and, and that's all credit in the world to Jonathan Taylor. All credit in the world to, to J.K. Dobbins. Travis I mean, these are two incredible yeah. players. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and look, I mean, I'm not saying that that Hubbard has to win the award. I mean, I, I would vote for him, yeah. obviously. But like, if he's not top three at the end of the year, then I mean, I don't know. He. So he should get at least a few Heisman votes right. too, but that's beside the point. Number three, Texas A&M. Uh, like we mentioned, they had an okay game against UTSA. Uh, they ran the ball really well, which I mean, if I'm being totally honest, doesn't mean a whole lot to Not me. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Demarvin Leal got it. Got yeah. a. a Kind of broke things up mm-hmm. a little bit, so you know that was kind of fun to see. Uh, you know, but other okay. than that, not a whole. Um, yeah, it was, he was it fine. Was, basically, it was um, a get right game, right? It was coming off, yeah, coming off yeah. a kind of whatever performance against Mississippi State, which they were still won. You know, credit to them, but right. it was definitely like a okay, let's just kind of throw out all the kinks and just kind of just get right against UTSA, go to South Carolina, and which is going to be a tricky game because um, yeah. that's the last yeah. like 50-50 toss up game before you, you go <laughs> yeah. into the gauntlet. At Jordan at LSU, um, but you know, uh, took care of business, and that's all you really wanted if you were an Aggie fan. Um, was the line thirty eight? Is that what it was at? I can't remember because oh, we were talking about how close it was. It was something like that, let's right? I think it was. I'm bringing it up right now. Um, let's see. The line was thirty eight. Yeah. Okay, so the funny thing about that is that. They were stuck at 38 for a while until UTSA got kind of a meaningless right. pick six and ended up covering. So that's okay. Well, you know, good, uh, good for UTSA Great teams for covering. Cover. So <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, uh, the, the one that, that we'll mention obviously is that Isaiah Spiller tied Travion Williams for the uh, freshman rushing yeah. record with 217 yeah. yards. You're hoping so, that he's the next in line of Jimbo Fisher's great uh, track record with running backs. Yeah, definitely. And you hope that they can build on this on the offensive line a little bit because, I mean, it's against UTSA, and, like, at the end of the day, again, I, I don't know exactly how much to take from right. that. Uh, the answer is nothing, right. really. But, like, you know, you, you hope that you hope that the running backs can get a little bit more confident and, and all that because you're going to need them in a big way against South Carolina. Uh, because South Carolina can freaking take running backs out of the game when they're playing good running backs and good offensive lines and good run, you know, running offenses. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, we mentioned number two SMU. We talked about them pretty extensively. Uh, and number one for the first time this season, the Baylor Bears sitting at 8-0. And look, I'll tell you what. I understand that Baylor did not earn many fans. They did not earn many style points with what happened on Thursday in a 17-14 win over West Virginia. Mm-hmm. But after the last two weeks, I'm pretty sure that a win feels just fine. Yeah, no, like, I mean, I mean, I talked about it a little bit, right? It was like midweek games are always sloppy. The weather's terrible. It was cold. Um, and, like, I mean, we just got to admit that Baylor's not the team that's going to, like, destroy a team by 50. Like, they're no, a team no, no, that's, no. like, when they get a 10-point lead, you feel comfortable they're going to just grind it out and sit on the game. Right. Um, I think I mentioned it to Greg on the Thursday edition. I don't. It's not one to one, but you definitely feel like an old school, uh, not old school, but like early Saban era vibe with this team, where it's sure. like we're just sure. gonna 
punch you in the mouth and you're going to hate that this 10 point lead feels like a 20 point lead. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that I can't remember what the number was, but I think that Matt rule is something like, like 27 and O when entering the fourth quarter, either tied or in yeah. the lead, like his teams yeah. finish and, you know, and, and that was always the issue two years ago was getting that lead. But once they have the lead or they have even a tie, like they will grind you mm-hmm. out. And this was like the third or fourth game this season where they held a team scoreless in the in the fourth quarter. Like this is just what they do. And and I mean, it is again as somebody who attended Baylor between 2012 and 2016, <laughs> feels like bizarro world, but. <laughs> It is well. Actually, that's not true. It is your mom's Baylor because your mom's Baylor was coached by Grant. Yeah, fair enough. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> fair enough. So this is not yeah. your Baylor. This is your this mama's is Gen Baylor. Z Baylor. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I mean, look. Uh, I, I think, I think that the big thing that you take away from this game is that a lot of the issues that they have, I think, are fixable. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I think that on the offensive line, they're supposed to get left tackle Connor Galvin back in the next couple of weeks. Uh, they ended up choosing not to redshirt Xavier Newman, who's one of their better offensive guards, who was just hoping to redshirt this year because he never got the chance as a freshman because mm-hmm. um, he was thrust into playing time. Uh, so now he's playing. He's he's burnt his redshirt, so he's going to be around. Um, you know, because I think that the biggest thing that you saw was that their right tackle, Blake Bettier, was just getting eaten alive. And, you know, once Galvin comes back and you can move, you know, Casey Phillips over to the other side, I think that that helps. Uh, and and look, I mean, West Virginia is not a very good team, but they have the Stills brothers on the defensive line who are as good as any duo in college football. So, um, you know, I mean, I think that everything that they, that they dealt with is very much fixable. I don't think that they're going to get you know, get Charlie Brewer sacked eight times again. I just don't think that's going to happen. Um, you know, but there'll be bigger tests. There'll be much bigger tests, obviously. I mean, and there'll be... Yeah, go ahead. No, there, and there'll be offenses that aren't going to be so horrific. That's the right. flip side, is that, you know, West Virginia's offense, yes, Baylor's defense was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, other than that 83-yard touchdown, they held them to 122 yards in a college football yeah. game. A Power 5 team. Like... That's God. <laughs> they averaged half a yard per rush. Absolutely. Are, are you are you freaking dominant. kidding like that me? Scoreboard, sure. Yes, it was a close game, but ver- offense versus defense, it was not that close. <laughs> yeah, well, and that was a thing too, where like, um, you know, I guess it's probably like the fourth game, but I know against Oklahoma State, for example, the final score ended up being seventeen, and it was tied yeah. late, and they were down late, and all that sort of stuff. But if you go yards per play, which like games aren't played yards per play, that's not the point, but like efficiency mm-hmm. wise. Baylor doubled up Oklahoma yeah. State in in yards per play. Like that is ridiculous, <laughs> and and I'm sure I, I need to check the numbers. Obviously, I'm sure they came pretty dang close to doing it here too. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, even when they don't play well, they still dominate teams like that. And I mean, <laughs> like you said, I mean they're they're a team that's not going to dominate. They're not going to blow teams out. And and look, I mean, one the old Baylor teams under Bryles kind of broke our brains of what a good team's supposed to look mm-hmm. like and Oklahoma's kind of continued that but like and, and even even now what Alabama and Clemson are doing has kind of broken that but like look if you can win those close games and you can manage to dominate teams defensively and you can hold on to leads when it sure looks like you shouldn't hold on to leads that's that's what great teams do um 
and we'll learn in the next three weeks as they go at TCU versus Oklahoma versus Texas whether this is actually a really good team. And this is kind but, of a stretch but, of the year that I mean, we, we, we've all been pointing to, right? You, I mean, the phrase like 8-0 was literally like used by you and me and, you know, Tepper around the office was like 8-0 is absolutely a possibility. <laughs> Right, right. And I, you know, in our predictions, I think I had them going 7-1. and one. So this isn't super unexpected. Yeah. But, um, you know, this is where we kind of figure out whether this is a pretty dang good Baylor team or whether this is a, oh, we got to start paying attention to them Baylor right. team nationally. And so, all right, running back through, number 12, Rice, number 11, UTEP, number 10, UTSA, number 9, Texas State, number 8, Texas Tech, number 7, North Texas, number 6, Houston, number 5, Texas, number 4, TCU, number 3, Texas A&M, number 2, SMU, and the number one team in in the state of Texas, well, at this level, the Baylor Bears. Because I'll tell you what, the other thing that we need to talk about just for literally ten mm-hmm. seconds is that Tarleton State is a freaking oh machine. Oh my gosh, that was that was absurd. They <laughs> they went up fifty nine to zero on Midwestern State, one of the most successful programs in the Lone Star Conference, like over the past 10, 15, 20 years. They went up fifty nine zero with ten minutes left in the third absurd. quarter, and then just stopped playing football. Absurd. What the hell, man? Like, <laughs> what the hell? Like, these are, this is this is against a not just a conference team, but a good conference team, a team that should have been in the playoff last year. Like, oh man, a team that won the conference two years ago. Oh my god! And and now, <laughs> Tarleton is about to finish its second straight undefeated regular season. So, oh boy, yeah this this team. It's crazy, man, because we are down to three undefeated teams in this in the state of Texas. We got the Baylor Bears in Division mm-hmm. One, we got the Charlton State Texans in Division Two, and we got the Mary Harden Baylor Crusaders in Division Three. These are three incredibly good football oh, yeah. teams, and I'm excited to see them the rest of the year. Definitely, you're gonna be making another trip if uh, Mary Harden Baylor makes the national title. Hey man, it's in it's in uh, the woodlands. There no problem. Go. It's uh, easy enough for me. Well, we we gotta obviously hope that it doesn't conflict with the. I, I need to check the dates to make sure it doesn't conflict with state uh, title games. Point. Which, uh, but but you know, I mean, look if if there's multiple teams in state in national championship games in college football, I I'm sorry, I'm, you might have to get a right, replacement right, for right. me Understand. for state. I think, I think we I think we find that understandable. Yes. Uh, the other thing too that I think I just realized like three days mm-hmm. ago is that uh, <laughs> is that the state championship games are the same weekend that Star Wars comes out, and I'd gotten advanced <laughs> tickets. Uh, so I'm trying to figure that whole deal out because I got tickets at like 7 p.m. at the uh, at the theater across from my apartment, right. and uh, you know, I, I mean. Look, I I don't know exactly who plays in that spot. Maybe maybe like a you know three AD two or something right. like that. Who knows? Um, you know, maybe maybe we can find an Honestly. expert on that. I don't know. We'll have to figure it. <laughs> we got some time. Uh, by we the way, quick time. Southland update. I just decided to look over. Um, still right. don't know what's happening there because uh, sure. five and one Central Arkansas is still in first. But uh, let's yep. see. One, two, three, four, five. Six. The next six teams are separated by one to two games. <laughs> I know that. A, see, I, I knew that. Incar- I love it. Yeah, well, I know that Incarnate Word was, I think that they were the only other one-loss team, and then they they lost this week to Nichols, mm-hmm. and so now it's just literally, it's just a bloodbath. Yeah. You know, so I, whew, man, I don't know what's going to happen in that conference. I mean, it might be, just be that Central Arkansas just starts to run away right. with it, but, but I mean, it's, whew. Let me see. I kind of thought has... that this was 
They still have SFA and the New Mexico State. They still have yep. Central Arkansas on the schedule. Um, but yeah, I thought this was Sam Houston's year, and it looks like it's not gonna. Be... Yeah, I thought this was the revenge yeah. tour. But I mean, they're still. I mean, nah. again, they're one game out. They have two losses in the Central. Right. No, they can and still they, win. Yeah, thing, and they just lost just... Central Arkansas last week by like three, so or right. four. Um, but yeah, Southland's looking really, really spicy as usual. Definitely. Well, thanks as always, everybody, for joining us. Like I mentioned, please subscribe if uh, if you haven't already. TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. We're coming out with our recruiting edition very, very soon. Uh, if you haven't as yet, TexasBasketball.com slash store. The basketball magazine should be coming out, like, any moment now. I, d- I don't know exactly when it's going to hit bookstores. Uh, no, no, not a – don't have an inkling yet. Honestly, I haven't been to a store in a while, so I don't even know if it is out myself. Yeah. Um, it might I be. know that Greg mentioned it was at the Hall of Fame in Baylor, so they have in Waco, so oh. they have theirs. Um, so that's usually a good indicator that things are about to start. Coming right. Out so I like I said, I haven't been to a store myself in a while, or at least I haven't been to a magazine section in a while, so I haven't uh, I haven't seen it myself. So who knows? There might it might be at my local Kroger, and I just haven't seen it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny is I went to college in Waco, obviously for four years. I've been back many times and uh, covered the team for you know all but one year, basically after that. And I have still never been to the Texas Sports Hall of Fame. <laughs> I don't know how it's even possible. So maybe I got to go stop by and, and check out uh, all the magazines yeah. there. So anyway, uh, thanks as always, people, for listening. Again, textfootballcom slash subscribe. Uh, keep an eye out on the website. we got some great stuff coming out this week. And I know high school football season's about to end, too. So we'll have a ton of playoff mm-hmm. content. I, I know because I have to sit in those meetings as they talk about the zillion things and zillion ideas that they have. <laughs> so <laughs> we got a lot coming out soon. Uh, Thanks, as always, everybody, for joining us, and we will talk to you again on Wednesday.